I went to um, Mid-America Christian University when it was in Houston, Texas. It was called Gulf Coast Bible College then. And uh, one year, uh, we were coming back from Ohio where I lived, going back to school, and there was a, a caravan of us, like six or seven cars of students from Ohio and Kentucky, and we were all traveling together. And uh, we went down uh, toward the coast and took the, the southern route across I-10 towards Houston. And we had a, a fairly uneventful trip until we got to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And we got to Baton Rouge about midnight, and we, we gassed up, and we, we pulled out uh, of, the, of the gas station, and I'm leading this pack of cars. And just as soon as we pulled out on the street, my good old 67 Chevy Impala started lurching, started oh, oh, like, it, like it didn't want to go. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, what's going on? And, and so rather than turning back toward the interstate, I, I turned away from the interstate and kind of in toward town because I didn't want to get on the interstate like that. And so we're driving through the streets of Baton Rouge and, it, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my car. And we're just winding our way and, and just not really paying attention to where we're at, but just kind of paying attention to his car. And then the car would die and I would put it in park and have to restart it. And of course, everybody behind me in the other cars are like, you know, what's going on? Well, again, this is back in, in the dark ages. I mean, this is, you know, before cell phones, before any of that kind of stuff. And so they're all just trying to figure out what's happening. Drove for a good while until um, we finally, I finally pulled off into a parking lot. I think it was actually a closed gas station. And um, everybody came in behind me. And we got out of the car and I popped the hood and we opened the hood on this big Chevy Impala. I don't know if you remember those big old cars, but I think this thing is like big as a tank. I mean, it's a huge car. And so all of us, all of us guys were standing around looking at the engine. You know, none of us know anything about cars, but we're, we're, we're staring at the engine hoping that the part that's having the problem will like raise a flag and say, it's me, you know, it's me. And uh, we had no idea what to do. And we, there, it, again, it was after midnight by this time. Everything's closed everywhere. And uh, we're in a, a really bad part of town. You can tell this is not a great place to be. And so we, what are we going to do? And I said, you know, I don't know what to do. Let's, let's just pray. And so we closed the hood. We gathered around the car, literally laid our hands on the car and prayed a prayer or something like this. Lord, we know you healed the eyes of the blind. We know you, you know, touched the legs of lame people and made them walk. I don't know if you fix shivvies or not, <laughs> but we could really use your help right now, you know. And uh, we, we, we prayed and said, amen. And I said, well, let's get back in the car and let's go. So we got back in the car and it fired right up. Boom! I thought, okay, that's a good sign. And uh, pulled out of the parking lot, still winding through the streets, and the car stopped lurching. It was just cruising right along. And I thought, okay, we're good. We're good. We're going we're gonna to be fine. And uh, all of a sudden, I had this horrible revelation, had absolutely no idea where we were. I mean, we are lost somewhere in Baton Rouge, had no idea where the interstate was. And again, this is long before GPS. There's no way to, no way to figure it out. We didn't have a map of Baton Rouge, couldn't even figure out where we were. And we're like, okay, now how are we going to get back to Interstate 10 to head back? to? And we didn't know it. So I, I pulled up at a light and I was right next to a guy in a white car and I thought, well, maybe this guy knows. And I, I rolled window down and I asked him to roll his window down. He does. And he says, can I help you? And I said, we need to get to Interstate 10. I said, could you tell us how to get there? And he said, well, he said, you need to go down here and take a left. He said, but there's all kinds of construction. He said, so w when you get past this store, you'll need to take a right 
uh, because you can't get to the interstate if you go straight, and then you'll go down a ways, and when you get past the liquor store, you'll take a left, and then you'll have to take two more rights, and, and he's going on and on and on, and I, I'm, I know I'm like deer in the headlights. I mean, I'm like, I have no idea, you know, and finally, he says, well, where are you going? And I said, well, we're going to Houston, and he started laughing. He goes, well, that's where I'm going. Just follow me. And so he, he, we, he, get, he leads the way, and we, we get all the way, and we get all the way back to Interstate 10, and uh, honk the horn at him, and he takes off, and, you know, and we, we, made it, we made it back to Houston. You ever been lost like that? You ever been in a situation where you've needed God to get you back on the right path? Yeah, it's a horrible feeling being lost. But you know what's so awesome about our God? is he is a God who makes a path for us. Amen? Now, I thought of that story when when I was working on my message this week because I want to talk about this piece in our series we're doing called Summer with the Shepherd. We're, We're looking at Psalm 23, and we're looking at each verse kind of asking the question, Lord, what would you want to say to us? And I want to look at the passage from Psalm 23, 3. We're going to throw that up on the screen. If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with us. Um, let's look at the verse. Let's read it out loud together, would you? He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Let's read it again. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. We often talk about uh, Jesus being a savior. A, a, a God who wants to forgive us of our sins, forgive us of our past, make us whole, and, and help uh, begin a brand new journey. But the, another attached piece to that that we sometimes don't talk about is that Jesus also wants to be our Lord. And you've heard the word Lord, but that literally means to be the director or the guide of our life. Now, here's what I want to say to you. If, if you've never opened your heart and life to Jesus Christ, maybe, maybe as I was describing Baton Rouge, maybe you said, you know, think, thinking to yourself, that's my life. You know, I'm out there wandering around. I have no idea where I'm at. I have no idea where my life is going, and I need to find a way. Well, here's what I want to tell you. Our God wants to come into your life, and he wants to be the guide for you and provide that path. And if you've never surrendered your heart and life to him, you know what? I want to invite you to do that today. Because he wants to be that Savior and he wants to be that Lord. But, but here's what I've discovered. If you've discovered this, I've discovered that not only did I need God to, to make that path in me, I need God to show me that path every day. I need God to guide me in those right paths, those right steps for my life. And I think that's where all of us are on this journey. Are you being led by the shepherd on the right path. Now, here's the deal. I, most of us in this room are, are thinking about our week ahead, and we're thinking about things we've got to do. We're thinking about decisions we've got to make. Some of us have some really big stuff going on, and some of us have a lot of things that, that we need to do and some decisions we need to make and some situations we need to take care of. we we got all these things. Here's the question I want to ask you. Are you thinking about the paths you want to take, or are you thinking about the right paths that God may want you to take. The Lord is our shepherd. He guides us in the right paths. Well, what 
will that mean to us to find and take those right paths? Are you ready? That's the journey I want to take with you today. Here's a couple of thoughts I want to give you for them. Here's, here's the first one. This really hit me hard. When we talk about the right path, God guiding us on the right path, the right path begins, think about this, with the who, not with the what or the where. The right path, finding that right path, taking that right path begins with the who, not the what or the where. In other words, you know, when we, we think about, if I, if I were to talk to you about, you know, the direction of your life, you'd, you'd think about what you're doing and you would think about where you're going. But, but when we talk about the right paths and God being our shepherd, that, that's where we need to take a step back and we need to ask the question, who, who is going to do these things? Now we say, well, Pastor Steve, what do you mean? Let me give you a few thoughts. You ready? First question is this, who's in charge? Who is in charge? Who is in charge of your life? You know, when God created us in the garden, one of the, one of the pieces that talks about in Genesis is that God gave us dominion. That meant we got to rule in, in our part of the world. We were, we were set to, to do that. But a part of this journey with God is not just simply ruling in our world, but it's inviting God to be the king of our, de- our domain. Inviting God to be the king of our kingdom. Just, it's just a question, but it's a really important one to start with. Who's ruling in your life? Who do you think is in charge? Who have you put in charge? Is it you making decisions, determining the path, determining the way you're gonna go? Or is God making those decisions for you? Look at the passage of Scripture from uh, Psalm 44.4. I love, I love how David phrases this so directly. He says what? Read it with me. You are my king and my God. Read it again. You are my king and my God. Look at how Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, verse 10. Read it with me. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the deal, gang. As as you think about all these decisions and where your life is going, have you asked what I think is the most important question? And that is, who's in charge of your life? Who's in charge? Who is the boss that gets to determine where you want to go? Are you the king and the God of your life? Or have you surrendered that to the Lord as your king and your God? This, a second question, as, as we're thinking about the right path, and this, this is real important too, is, is who knows best? Who knows best? Who knows the path that you ought to be on? Who knows that best? I, I love this. I love this story. Throw that picture up on the screen. That's a, a marathon runner. Uh, he's an Italian guy by the name of Iab Fennell. And uh, 2017, they were uh, running, there was a marathon in uh, Vienna, in Italy. And he was uh, a part of, that, uh, part of that marathon. And that was his hometown. That's where he grew up. And he had run the, that track, you know, that trail uh, through the city a number of times. But uh, he had never won a marathon well, this particular day, as he's running this marathon, he's, he's not a, a long way from the leaders. He's about uh, a minute behind the, the, the two Kenyan guys who were leading the pack uh, in this marathon. 
the, the marathon runners were being led through town by a couple guys in a car and a couple of motorcycle drivers. Well, um, Venice is not, I said Venice, Venice is not set up to, to be able to, to navigate well uh, in, in cars and vehicles. And so as, he, as they get to a certain place where they have to break off and let the runners run the trail on their own, when they break off, the leaders had no idea and they just started following the guys in the motorcycle. And uh, they didn't know that they actually got off track and they ran for a, a couple of minutes before they realized that they weren't on, the, on, the, on that track anymore. They, weren't, they didn't see any of the signs and they had to, they had to backtrack. Yeah, but well, by that time, Eob, who, who knew the track, stayed right on course and he ends up winning his first marathon. It was so awesome. Again, he won it not because he was the best runner, but because he knew the way. I just want you to let this sink in. You see, one of the mistakes we make is that we think we know the best paths for our life. Look at me. I love you, but you don't. There is a God who made you. There is a God who has designed your life for you. And can I just suggest to you, our God knows the path that your life needs to be on even better than you do. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. I know it's a favorite verse for many of you. Read it out loud with me. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Here's a third question. Who do you ultimately want to please? Who do you ultimately want to please? It's just a question, but again, it's really important. At the end of the day, when it's all said and done, is your life about making you happy? Or is there within you a desire one day to stand before God and know that you have pleased him? You know, I, I wrote my, for those of you who follow my daily devotional, I, I wrote it today about the, on the storyline of David and about the fact that David, there's this little phrase that's used several times. It says, and David asked the Lord. And I, I thought about that when I was writing this devotional, thinking about the fact that here's, here's David, this, this ruler, this warrior. And, and yet David, David wanted to ask God what he should do because of, for a few things. One is he knew that he needed the blessing of God in order to succeed. Now he, it had, God had been led him, he, and he wanted to make sure that, but there was another part of this, and I don't want you to miss it. There was also a part of, of David that wanted to ask God what to do because ultimately, when it was all said and done, David wanted to please God. It was more important to him to be pleasing to God than it was to simply do what he wanted to do. And it's a great question to ask. When we talk about, you know, where my life going to go and what should I do, we need to ask the who. Who's in charge? Who knows best? And who do I really want to please? Great question for us to sit with. Another thought I had about this passage is that God is more concerned about how we live than what we do. God is more concerned about how we live than what we do. 
Now, especially for some of you who are, who are younger, and you're making some big decisions in your life. You're thinking about, you know, where am I going to go to college? You're thinking about, you know, what am I going to do? What kind of job am I going to have? Am I going to be this or am I going to be that? And here's what I want you to know. I really think that in the grand scheme of life, God is, God is going to give you a lot of wiggle room to choose the vocation that you really want to do. But here's the deal. It's more important to God what kind of job you do on that job, how you live, how you act, how you represent him, than what job that you choose. Are you going to do it in such a way that it honors God? I, I had a, one of my favorite stories that I shared this years ago. It, just, it, was, so, it was such an insight to me. Uh, when we moved to, to Phoenix back in 1996, um, I was taking Mondays off, and uh, I remember early after I, uh, early on after I got there, I always my, on my day off I liked to sleep in as late as I could, and then I would get up and I would try to find a place where I could have a coffee and a donut. Man, that was my my favorite breakfast. And uh, I found out there was a, a a Safeway grocery store that was just a couple blocks from my house, and I knew they had a bakery. And so one Monday morning, I got up and I thought, I'm, going to go to, I'm just going to go to Safeway and, and get a fresh donut and a cup of coffee. And again, you know, we were doing three or four services at the time. And, and it was just, you know, I get up on Monday mornings and I'm just hung over from the adrenaline of, of Sunday and the weekend. And I'm tired and I'm half asleep. And I, I get to this Safeway. It was really funny. I, I walked through the doors of the Safeway and there was a guy just inside the door who was mopping the floor. And as I walked in, this guy was mopping. As I, as I walked past him, he looks up from his mop, big smile on his face, and he goes, good morning. <laughs> I'm like, dude, that was really loud for a Monday morning. <laughs> you know, and I said, good morning. And he said, how you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm here. And he said, anything I can help you with? And I said, man, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wanting to get a coffee and a donut I'm, you know, and, and start my Monday. And he goes, wow. He goes, man, he goes, bakery's back that way. He said, donuts are fresh, coffee's hot. He goes, you need me to walk you back there? And I said, no, I'm, I'll, I'll be okay. I can find this. Well, have a great day. And I thought, okay. And I'm walking away from this guy thinking, dude, you need to switch to decaf just a little bit, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and so I'm, I'm walking along, and, and I kid you not, I'm walking, I'm walking down the aisle, and there was a guy stocking groceries right here on the end. And as I walked past him, this guy looks up again, big smile on his face. He said, good morning. I said, well, good morning. And he, he said, how you doing today? And I said, well, I'm, I'm not bad. And he said, can I help you with anything? And I said, no, I'm just heading back to the bakery and get some coffee and get a donut. And he goes, oh, man. He said, we got great donuts here. He goes, I had one this morning. You're going to love it. He goes, we got a little place to sit back there. He goes, yeah, just make yourself at home. He, he said, you need me to help you find your way? And I'm thinking, what do I look like, a senile old guy? So, you know, it's like, no, I think I can find my way. I'm good. I'm good. He said, well, have a great day. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking, man, these guys are just wired. I get back to the bakery, and I'm looking at the donuts, and this guy walks out, and he goes, good morning. I said, well, good morning. He goes, how you doing? I said, well, my day's getting better and better. He goes, what can I help you with? I said, man, I, I want the biggest chocolate-covered donut that you've got, and I want like a bucket of coffee as strong as you can make it. And he started laughing. He goes, you know what? I got you covered. He said, he said I'll tell you what. Why don't you just have a seat over there? He said, I'll get the donut and bring it to you. Get your coffee. He said, you want anything in it? No, just black. He said, I'll, I'll bring it out to you. He goes, well, you want a newspaper? He said, I just finished reading the morning paper. You're more than welcome. He said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, we'll square up in a little bit here. Just, let me, let me, just go ahead and have a seat. I'll bring it out. And he brings it out. And uh, he goes, anything else I can get you? And I said, no, this is awesome. And he walks away. And I'm, I'm thinking about... These people, there's a guy mopping a floor, 
stocking groceries, working back in his hot bakery, and they were excited about what they were doing. And I sat there just in awe, and, and honestly, truly, I, I, I went home and I, I wrote a letter to Safeway, to their district office, and copied the store manager. And I just said, I don't know how you're training your employees. I said, but that was one of the best experiences I've ever had in a grocery store. And I said, if I could teach my church people to be half as excited about Jesus as your employees were about me coming in that day, I said, we would set the city on fire. Look at me. You see, it's not what you do. It's how you do what you do. God doesn't care whether you're a janitor or a doctor. God doesn't care whether you drive a truck or whether you teach in a schoolroom. Here's what God is concerned about. What kind of character are you going to have as you do those things? And what kind of attitude are you going to do, do them with? Paul says in Colossians that we are to work as unto the Lord, not unto men. Amen? God's more concerned about how we live more so than what we do. Passage of scripture, I love this contrast. Second Kings 17, the Lord was, was, was upset with his people, he said, because, read it with me, they imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. In other words, they had just become like everybody else. But look at what Paul says in Ephesians, read it with me. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. Can I give you another thought about the right paths? And this one's not going to be pleasant. (laughs) God's paths are for our growth and for God's purposes not our comfort. Let me say that again. God's paths are for our growth and for God's purposes, not for our comfort. Now, this is just a real important point to make because sometimes when we find ourselves on paths that aren't so pleasant, we think God must have gotten this wrong. This road is a lot harder than it ought to be. And we forget that God's desire for us is to to shape us and to make us into the men and women of God that he created us to be. Let me explain it this way. Some some of this will make make sense to you. How many of you have ever been through physical therapy? Yeah, how many of you have ever had like a a knee replacement or a hip replacement or something and you went to the physical, was going to the physical therapist, was that a pleasant experience? Come on, how many of you, this is a church, it's a great place. How many of you quietly cussed at your physical therapist under your breath? Yeah, there's some hands back there. Okay, there's some honest people. Yeah, physical therapist. When I went to physical therapy, my very first time, I had my knee replaced a little over a year ago. When I went to the physical therapist for the first time, I'm thinking this is going to be some nice guy. You know, this is going to be somebody who comes in and they're going to they're going to put you on this really soft kind of re, you know reclining table or something, and they're going to massage your your muscles. You know, and I'm th- I'm thinking massage therapist. You know, I went and met my my physical therapist Kevin. Kevin was the devil, you know? I mean, he 
hurt me. I, I like working out. I like exercising. But I'll, I'll never, Kevin, Kevin was creating ways to work these muscles that needed to be developed. And I'll never forget as he did measurements, he said, you realize that your right leg is about an inch smaller than your left leg. And he said, you know, he said, you've been favoring that knee for so long, you haven't, you haven't, he said, we're going to need to really work these muscles. And, and he did. And I'll never forget one day I came in and I checked in and, and when Kevin came out, when we got, I got through checking in, he goes, okay, let's go out in the hallway. And he rolls this rolling stool and on the stool on wheels that he was sitting on, he rolls it out into the hallway and he says, sit in that. And I went, oh, this is going to be a day off, man, you know? And so I sat in the stool. He said, now, here's what I want you to do. Without using your hands, he goes, using just your legs, he goes, I want you to pull yourself all the way to the end of the hall and back. And I'm thinking, it's on wheels. How hard can this be? And so I'm like, oh, man, you know. All of a sudden, my legs were like on fire, and I'm like halfway there, and I'm going, you know, the jock in me is like, I can't quit, I can't quit, and a little tear came out of my eye, you know, just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm straight, I get all the way to the end, and I turn around, it's a half mile back to that, that office, and I, I, I go all the way back, and I, by the time I get back, I can barely move my legs, and when I pulled up, Kevin's laughing, he thinks this is the funniest thing he's ever seen, he goes, we call this exercise the thigh burner, and I will, goody for you, you know. But you know what, Ke again, what you got to understand was this. What Kevin was trying to do, he was trying to help me. Now, you got to get this. Because sometimes you have felt led by God on paths that haven't been so easy. And sometimes in those paths, God is working on you, shaping you, making you face things about yourself you don't want to face, push through things that you have avoided. God is trying to help you become that man or that woman he has designed you to be. Look at the passage of Scripture, Philippians 1.6. Read it with me. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Look at me. When do you get a rest and sit on that comfy couch? When you get to heaven. Till then, the paths that God has for you are going to help you become. That's why in James he says, count it all joy when you run into trials of all kinds of different things, knowing that these things are going to make your faith strong. It's that resistance that creates that. God's paths are for your development and for his purposes, not for your comfort. 2 Corinthians 3.18, God is making us like him. Look at what it says. Read it with me. And the Lord, who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And so whenever you ask the question and you're on the path, you know God wants you to be on and it's not going well, and you go, God, what are you doing? God says, it's simple. I'm making you look a little more like me. I'm refining your character. I'm refining your attitudes. I'm shaping who you are. Let me give you one more thought. When we think about the right paths, we need to be reminded that it's a path that we cannot walk of our own strength. It's a path that we can't walk out of our own strength. 
Philippians 2, Paul gives a, a really insightful verse that I want, you to, I want you to let this sink deep into your heart. Read it with me. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now, circle those, the desire, circle that, and then circle the power. Because here's the deal. We, we get excited when God shows us a path that we need to be on. We get excited about that. And that, that's God putting that desire in you to follow him and, and to walk on this course. But notice what Paul says. He also gives you the power to do that. Now, why that's so important is if you're wired like me, sometimes when you get on the path, subconsciously we say, God, I'll take it from here. <laughs> I've got this. Look at me. And you don't. Because God's paths require God's strength. You see, that's how God helps us stay connected to him and dependent upon him. Is he leads us to paths where we have to lean upon him to find our way on the journey. So if you ever get to a place where the path seems hard and you look up to heaven and you say, God, I can't do this. Listen for God to say, you're right, you can't. I never intended for you to do this all by yourself. But we can. I love to hike. And I was, I was reading an article yesterday um, by the Sierra Club, which is a, has a, a hiking group, outdoors group. And it was an interesting article that um, this author was writing about the five most common mistakes that hikers make. And I thought, what a great correlation for us. I won't give you all of them. One of the things that they said is hikers often make the mistake of um, not being prepared. In other words, they don't look ahead to see what kind of trail they're going to be on or what they may need to take with them. And I, I thought, isn't that true of us? How we often don't think about this journey through life and how much we're really going to need the Word of God, how we're going to need to be connected to other believers. We don't, we're not prepared. And so a lot of us get to places on the trail where we're just not ready because we haven't prepared for what's coming. Another thing that, that they said is another huge mistake that hikers make is when, when they get off trail, that sometimes hikers will follow the trail and then they'll decide to just go off the trail on their own. And uh, you'll read stories from time to time about people on the Appalachian Trail, which is a huge, really long trail back east. And people will get off trail. They'll, they'll go off to sightsee or they'll go off to, on their own. And what happens is they get lost and they can't find a trail. People often die out there. And they say that's one of the huge mistakes is the people, they, they veer off the path. And I thought, man, isn't, isn't that what we do? We, we walk God's paths for a certain distance. And then we, we see a little side path and we think, you know what, God, I'm going I'm to take this trail on my own for a while. Or I'm going to venture here. And I don't know about you, but, man, it's when we, when we go to those places where we really get ourselves in trouble. And then here was, here was another one I just thought was huge. When hikers go alone. When I read that, I, I, I sat back and I, I thought about my life. And I thought, you know, Lord, the, the times when I've really gotten myself in the deepest trouble, it's when I stopped listening to you. 
It's when I stopped really seeking you. It's, it's, it's when in my arrogance I thought I can, I can do this. And I stopped seeking God and I, I stopped listening for God and I just tried to do this all on my own. And, I, and I'm going to look you in the eye I'm going to tell you, I can't. I need the power and the guidance of God to be the person God has called me to be and to do the work that God has called me to do. God is our shepherd and he will lead us in the right path. But we have to follow. Sheep aren't supposed to lead the shepherd. Sheep aren't supposed to run out on their own and hope the shepherd comes along and just bails them out. Sheep, sheep should follow the shepherd because he knows best. He knows the path. Look at me. God knows the path he has for you. God has good things for your life. There are great things that God wants to do in you and through you, but, but you really do have to surrender to his path. Have you? Are you? I want you to just bow your heads and just close your eyes for a second. And I want you to just think about the weeks and months that are ahead of you and the things that have been on your mind and the decisions that you know you're going to have to make and the things that you're going to do. And it's just a question, but I think it's an important one. Have you been seeking God about what to do in that? Have you been opening your heart and opening your mind? Have you been looking for the path that God has for you regarding those things? In your job, your school, in your relationships? Have you been asking God what he wants you to do or have you just been doing it on your own? Today, can we, can we invite the shepherd to get out in front of us? Today, can we humble our hearts and say, Lord, you, you lead, and I will follow. I came across a song that I, I'd never heard before, and when I listened to it and watched, looked at the words, it's just a powerful, powerful song. And I've asked Rachel to sing that for us this morning, and if you know it, you can, you can sing along, but if you don't, you can just listen. And I want you to let these words be your prayer today. As you surrender your heart and your life to the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Lord, that's our, our prayer today, is that you would lead and we would follow. Father, I, I wonder how many times in our life you try to show us the right paths, but we're not listening, we're not paying attention. Or I wonder how many times we, we start down the right paths, but they're, they're different than we thought they would be. They're not as fun as we thought they would be. And so we, we peel off and we do our own thing. Lord, I, I think about that verse from Isaiah 53, 6 over and over again. All of us are like sheep who go our own way. And Lord, I confess before you that whenever I've done that in my life, I've always gotten in over my head. I've always ended up in trouble. Lord, we need you. Father, we humble our hearts before you today. We lay down our ego. We lay down our pride. We lay down our desire to rule our own world. And we say with David, you 
are our king. You are our God. We pray the prayer of Jesus. Lord, your kingdom come. Let your will be done in our lives on this earth as it is in heaven. Proverbs remind us that there's, there's a way that seems right unto man, but it ends in death and destruction. And Lord, we've tried those paths, and we don't want to try them anymore. Lord, your promise to us in Psalm 23, as David reminds us that you are the shepherd who will lead us in the right path if we will simply follow you. So, Lord, today, you lead, we'll follow, and we will depend upon your strength for those paths. Father, we love you. We confess to you that we can't do this without you, but we can do all things through Christ who gives us that strength. So it's in his precious name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen.